Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is Season 2, Episode 33, The Rapture. Now, I've done uh, episodes on the rapture in Season 1, Episode 17 and 20, if you want more details on it. Let's go ahead and get started uh, today. First thing that we need to cover is the fact that the Bible is absolutely inerrant. That means that it is incapable of being wrong. So what you have to know in regards to that, and I, my last episode covers this, is that you can't add words to the verses and teach what you think might happen as gospel. Uh, and we'll get into that here in a minute in the rapture, but a lot of people like to teach what they think might happen by adding words to the end of a verse. That isn't gospel. That's your idea of how it plays out. All right. And the second thing you can't do because the Bible is inerrant is you cannot ignore words or take words out of the verses because then you are cutting out words that God wanted you to say. So you're basically telling God, I'm more important than you. I know better than you. And this word is not required. You cannot take words out of verses. So let's look at uh, the end of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. It says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. That's pretty serious. All right, now let's talk about the rapture. So the definition of the rapture. Now, this is pretty much unanimous across Christendom around the whole world, is the idea that all dead believers will be raised back to life, and then those who still live will go up with them into heaven. So when Christ comes back the second time or prior to the second time, uh, there will be this mysterious vanishing of people all around the earth, and um, it's going to be both those who were in the graves and dead and those who are currently living when he comes back. Okay, Some believe this is only Old Testament believers or it's Old and New Testament. Others believe that this is only those who have died during the time of Christ uh, and forward. Because when Christ died and rose again, he actually brought back the Old Testament believers into heaven. And so the, the dead believers from the Old Testament period are already taken care of. It doesn't really matter which way you choose to believe. The point is that the remaining believers who have died will have a massive resurrection and they will come back to life and receive spiritual bodies and go to heaven. So that's the idea of the rapture is this massive resurrection of believers in God. And, and that's the key takeaway. If you haven't heard of it before, that is what people believe when they say the rapture. The next part of that is the believers who are still alive at that time will join those resurrected and Jesus in the air to go to heaven. So what the belief of the rapture entails is that no Christians will be left on earth, only non-believers. And those who were Christians in name only, but didn't actually believe in their heart. And these Christians in name only will be, quote, left behind, like that Tim LaHaye series, book series and movie series about people that were left behind. It didn't mean Christians were left behind. It meant 
people were not raptured and instantly realized their mistake and then chose to believe in Jesus at that time and then had to suffer through the seven-year tribulation. Those are the left-behind people. So that's the concept of the rapture. Now, I'll state up front, I do not believe this, and I'm going to read you some Bible verses and clearly explain it for you, okay? Now, different people believe this will happen at different times, depending on which church they grew up in. Some will say it's pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, all right? Uh, Pre-trib people believe Jesus comes and rescues everyone who is a believer so that they escape the seven-year tribulation. People who are mid-trib for the same reason, because the worst part of the tribulation is the second half. So if you're taken out middle of the tribulation, then you're saved from the worst of the judgments. Then there are people who are post-trib, at least academically. Um, People like this are adding to the words of scripture in Revelation 20, and they're assuming that all believers will be at this particular resurrection. I've never met a post-trib person in real life. I've just read about this idea that the rapture happens after the tribulation. So those are the three basic beliefs in the rapture. Now, just to clarify, the Bible clearly teaches a resurrection of dead believers. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 14, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, dead people, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So if we're alive and Jesus comes back, In our lifetime, we're not going to prevent the people that are dead from meeting Jesus. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The Bible clearly teaches those believers in Jesus Christ who are dead will rise from the dead. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So very clearly, there is a mass resurrection of believers around the world. Got it? All right, I'm not disputing that. But notice that it says, we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Meet here does not mean to escape earth and go to heaven. You're adding words to the scripture if you say what is going to happen next. It just says you're going to meet the Lord. Now, typically, and at that time period, and even now, when you go out to meet somebody, it's because you're going somewhere together, right? So I will show you with the other verses here that this means that we are going to usher him into his thousand-year reign on earth. We are not escaping to go to heaven. The Jews and Jesus himself preached the resurrection of believers. Luke 20, verse 32. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world, we're talking spiritual, heaven, and the resurrection from the dead, Neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. 
for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Jesus said the resurrection will happen. He affirmed what they believe that the resurrection would happen. And he brought up the Old Testament. Moses believed in the resurrection. So Jesus was affirming that, yes, there is a resurrection of believers. All right. And then, of course, his own resurrection proved that it was possible. Romans 6, 4 and 5 says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So very clearly the teachings of the New Testament are that we will be resurrected after we die. Not disputing that. The next teaching that you need to understand when it comes to the rapture is that the Bible clearly teaches that we will not be rescued from suffering. So look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. John 17, 15, Jesus himself prayed to God the Father and said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Jesus does not want us taken out of the world, but for us to stay in the world and be kept from sin so that we can be a light to the darkness in this world. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. So in other words, don't be sinful, right? Verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So very clearly, the righteous will not be saved from judgment and suffering. All right, Matthew ten seventeen. Jesus speaking again. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, Take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved." This is a specific reference to the tribulation time period, the end of the earth when families are torn apart, brother against brother, mother and father against child, children against their parents to cause them to be put to death and you will be taken before judges and governors and kings for the sake of Jesus Christ and be put to death. You will be hated of men. How is that? a rapture where you're going to be saved so you don't have to suffer these things. Why did Jesus say all of that? 
Now, if you still think that that's not enough, remember, we have to go back to the fact that every single word of the Bible is true. So if I can find one verse that says something, then that thing is true. I don't need multiple verses, right? And I've just shown you three different passages in the book of John, in the book of Peter, and in the book of Matthew, how Jesus expects us to stay in this world and to suffer. Now, here's one that specifically states during the end times, the tribulation time of the end. Matthew 24, verse 8 and 9. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. We're not going to be taken out to be rescued before the tribulation happens on this earth. Mankind deserves punishment from God. But mankind is sinful and dead in their sin and cannot understand what is happening when these great catastrophes happen on the earth, the tribulation period. And so God is going to need his witnesses for multiple reasons. But it is for his glory that we will suffer during the tribulation time period so that his name can be proclaimed. And remember, our suffering here on earth is short. Once we're dead, there's no more suffering. We're in heaven, okay? Here are some Bible verses that clearly explain what the resurrection is that I read about earlier in 1 Thessalonians. Number one, it is a changing of the bodies to a spiritual, supernatural body similar to what Jesus Christ had when he was resurrected and was transfigured, okay? So Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So remember, we are an eternal soul. We are not our flesh. We are a soul that lives in a fleshly body. God's going to give us a perfect body. Now, when does it happen? Well, there's a couple verses that explain that. Here's one that people use a lot, and they don't really pay attention to the words. Again, keep in mind, every word is crucial. If you take a word out, then you are sinning. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And the word that people always leave out deliberately here, I believe, is the word eschatos, which means final. It is the last trump. There are seven trumpets in eschatology. That means the study of the end times. There are seven trumpet judgments. If you say that the rapture happens to preserve you, to keep you from having to suffer during the tribulation period, you are directly going against this verse that you say you are using as proof of the rapture. People use this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, oh, God's going to save us. We won't have to suffer during the tribulation period. Wrong. It says at the last trump. So what are the first trumpets? You better read Revelation again. There are seven trumpets. At the last one, that's when there is a resurrection. So this is actually after the tribulation, which ends with the seventh trumpet. 
Listen to these verses from Jesus Christ himself, okay? Mark 13, 24 to 27. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Jesus himself said after that tribulation period, when everything has happened, God comes in the clouds, sends his angels to gather all the Christians. That's at the end. All right, here's another one. Matthew 24, 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So this resurrection happens after the tribulation period at the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet. And now listen to who is resurrected from the dead at this time. Look at Revelation 20, verse 1 through 6. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. At the end of the tribulation, at the battle of Armageddon, Satan is defeated. Here an angel grabs Satan and binds him. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. This is verse four. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The word first, this is the first resurrection, is the word protos, which means the beginning or the first of all. So the battle of Armageddon happens. The last judgment of God happens. The last trumpet is sounded. Satan is captured. And the souls of those who were beheaded for not taking the mark of the beast are alive. That is the first resurrection. Only if you die during the seven-year tribulation will you take part in the first resurrection. The rest of the dead, if you have died before the tribulation period, like Moses or the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ who are dead, they do not live during this time period. They are not resurrected yet. The rest of the dead do not live again until the thousand years are finished. That's the first resurrection. The second resurrection is when the rest of the dead come to life. That is in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. 
And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. This is after the thousand year reign. The dead stand before God. This is the second resurrection where everyone, believers and unbelievers, okay, verse 12, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, resurrected, right? And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's your eternal judgment. That's hell, the lake of fire. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is when believers are judged as well. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 16 says this, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So if you did good works for Jesus Christ after you were saved, you get a reward for it. Verse 15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So if you've done bad works after you were saved, those works will be burned up, and you will be ashamed of the things that you have done wrong. And yet you will be saved through the fire because of Jesus Christ. And then Romans fourteen twelve. So then every one of us, shall give account of himself to God. So let me break it down in summary. The rapture is a massive resurrection of believers. That's what is taught. The Bible clearly teaches a massive resurrection of believers twice. It also clearly teaches that we will suffer and not be rescued from suffering. Remember, Jesus says the servant is not greater than his master. And even Jesus suffered and died right here on earth. It makes far greater sense that God will leave us here as a witness during the tribulation to explain to people what is happening and to help a small number of them come to a saving knowledge of Christ than to believe that Jesus would defy everything he taught and remove us from suffering. The first resurrection is only for martyrs. That is Revelation 20 verse 1 through 5. I believe that this is when those martyrs come back to life and those Christians still alive after the seven-year tribulation will rise, will be changed into incorruptible bodies, will meet the Lord in the air to usher him to the throne of David where he will reign for a thousand years. Not the rapture as understood today, but a rapturous event where we will come with Christ to watch him destroy the Antichrist and his armies at the Battle of Armageddon at the last trump. So I think that this first resurrection is very simply an ushering of Christ to his throne here on earth. Now, the reason I couch it in those terms, I think, is that the Bible does not say after we meet him in the air where we go. I hope that makes sense to you. You have to be very careful that you do not add to Scripture or take away from Scripture. The second resurrection is all the dead at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. And there you have it. That's the summary of the tribulation period and the rapture and what it really means as opposed to what people teach today.
Revelation 22, 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. You be careful when you read the word of God that you only read the words of God. You do not put your words into it or tack on well what I think at the end unless you acknowledge that your thoughts could be wrong your thoughts are not gospel what you believe may or may not happen is not factual and I hope I've made that clear in the things that I've taught again if you have any questions please contact me angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com if you have any verses that you need explained I would be glad to go into those in detail private email or in another podcast and just keep in mind knowing what God wants us to know helps us to become better Christians better servants for Jesus Christ and to witness to other people better we always have that hope of heaven whether we suffer a little bit here on this earth or not whether we die quickly you know in a car crash and we don't feel any pain or we suffer at the hands of the Antichrist it doesn't matter at the end God will see justice done and we will be blessed and we will have no more pain or suffering and we will be in heaven in a new resurrected body. I'll leave you with this last verse, Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And until next time, may God bless you all.